Hey guys, it's Ruku here. Before the podcast starts, I just want to say if you're listening on iTunes, make sure you subscribe and you give us a review. If you listen on SoundCloud though, make sure you follow because we're getting like over 400 listens on SoundCloud. But obviously the followers, it doesn't make sense, you know, things ain't adding up. So make sure if you listen and you enjoy, make an account and follow. But yeah, that's all I want to say um, about the podcast. It's really, really enjoyable. There's a really powerful and deep message at the end. So episode nine of the group chat podcast please enjoy welcome to episode nine of the group chat podcast with me your host Ruku. so today we've got a guest from hmrc and i know a lot of people have been asking um can you get someone on that works for like the government so today should answer a lot of those questions before we start let me just introduce what the pod is all about once again this podcast is here to show that there are no restrictions for young muslims career-wise so ahmed do you want to introduce yourself bro assalamualaikum Walaikum salam. My name is Ahmed. Like the brother said, working in HMRC. Gonna have to burst the bubble. Not not quite a grad scheme. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm working in HMRC. I'm a VAT compliance officer. Essentially what that means is companies which are VAT registered. I've got to pay them a visit, make yeah. sure they're paying their VAT properly. Cool. If not, slap them with a fine. Straight. <laughs> let's not get to that straight away. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's start with your uni experience. Yep. Obviously, you graduated one year before me. Mm-hmm. But you were like... Heavily involved with ISOC, yeah. Amir. So how was your uni experience, man? To be honest, man, anyone ever asked me, I genuinely just loved it, man. Yeah. Every moment of it. Even down to like late night crammings, the, you know, all-nighters. Like genuinely where I see I, I, myself, where I am now, all of that has been a build-up from everything that I experienced in uni. Mm. Like from the lectures and to the ISOC stuff to all the other stuff that, you know, you get involved in just naturally while you're in uni. Yeah. All of that just kind of plays a part and it builds you up and makes you who you are and how you tick and all mm. of that kind of stuff. Because so. we haven't spoken much about how to be at uni. Mm. Obviously, you went the extra mile. You're really active. Mm. Would you recommend that to people or would you tell oh, people? 100%. Yeah. 100%. And this is one thing I say to like all... Because I've done quite a bit of tutoring in my time. And uh, all of my cousins, all of our students and things like that. This is one thing I always say to them. That look, when you go uni, you're going to come out with a degree. Like... Yeah. It's pretty hard not to come out with a degree. It's everything else you do that will set you apart. If you're someone who's going to go and just get the degree, well, they've got a hundred guys like that. Thousands. If you've got, exactly. Yeah. If you've got nothing that sets you apart, like what did you actually get out of that? Mm. Did you get the most out of it? Yeah. And really the answer is no, you didn't. One thing you did differently to a lot of the guests is you had an internship. Yeah. At Deloitte, yeah? Yeah, it was, yeah. What was it in? It was in tax. It was in uh, Global Employer Services. Yeah. Yeah. But w- what pushed you to go out and apply for an internship? Did you just know from the bat or did someone inform you? To be honest, I did engineering at uni. But I knew very quickly I didn't want to go into engineering. Okay. <laughs> so I thought, what's the next be- next best thing? So I thought about professional services and that kind of thing. And that's one of the reasons why I did the internship. I thought, you know what, let me, let me dip my toe in and see what it's like. So um, you, you kind of thought about it yourself or oh, I don't want to do engineering mm. I need a taste yeah 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 yeah. yeah that that's, was before my journey man. Yeah, that's mad <laughs> do you recommend doing an internship in the first place 100% like, 100% did doing that internship make you decide yeah I want to be involved in tax no it made me decide I didn't really want to be in professional services okay yeah like I say I wanted the flavour I mean because I was able to get into Deloitte I think genuinely when I'm applying to other places and after I started when I put that on my CV and mm-hmm. things like that I think people started to look at me twice. Yeah, they started yeah, yeah. okay. Because Deloitte, I mean, in terms of uh, graduate employers and that kind of thing, it's a household name in that sense. 
So if you're getting into that, means that they've they've seen something in you. Mm. So a lot of people, other people, jump on the bandwagon yeah. and think, okay, yeah. What I would say, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. An internship is gonna make you more desirable. Yeah. Um, for future graduate employers. Yeah, yeah. But like this podcast has shown, and a lot of the guests have shown that you don't need an internship to nah. get into one of these. Mm-hmm. It obviously puts you in a better chance, but it's not the be all and end all. No, nah, definitely. I mean, yeah. uh, like, it's a bad cliche, but it's more than one way to skin a cat, isn't it? Like, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, if you want examples of people who did it without an internship, you've got plenty. plenty one people plenty. Are people that did it with an internship, you've got plenty. So like, I mean, there's multiple paths. Mm-hmm. Uh, to Even the get. previous week, we had um, Modassar, who's an apprentice. He did ah, an apprenticeship awesome. and he's yeah. at EY now as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So tell us about your third year now, done your internship, how'd you go about what grad scheme to get into? At that stage, to be honest, there's no point being picky. I was that, getting, It's just the reality. Yeah, because yeah. I was getting, I mean, to be completely honest, you don't have the luxury of being picky. Like, as as blunt as that might sound, yeah. that's it. Isn't yeah. that? You want to get a job as soon as possible, because no one wants to be unemployed. Uh, mm. It's not a nice, uh, nice, nice feeling. Trust me. So it's not like if you get into something, you don't like it. Well, I mean, what have you lost out? You've got some experience. Mm. You've learned something about yourself. And hopefully you've developed a little bit. Yeah. Move on to the next thing. Yeah, next yeah, adventure, yeah. next thing. No worries. Mm. The position that you are in mm. now, the job that you're in now, yeah. was that something that you wanted, yeah? I mean, so far, so good. Yeah, so yeah, far, yeah. so good. I mean, I've been there just shy of a year now. Mm. It's okay. I mean, it has its flaws, as mm. does everything, I guess. Yeah. But, I mean, it's, it's nice. It's mm. nice. Uh, the only problem is the commute. I mean, we were talking about it on the way up. Boy, <laughs> this guy came all the way from Croydon, man. <laughs> I was Taking trams, you, <laughs> planes, all of that, man. I was telling you, man, I get off the train, I feel like I'm jet-lagged, man. It's, <laughs> it's a long journey. Yeah, yeah. But, and Croydon's a weird place. South London in general. I'm not, I'm, yeah. I'm East. And I'm, yeah. I've always lived in East, always been of in course. East. And uh, like South London is a different it's a, it's place. It's a lot to like, adapt to, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, nice, different. Mm. But you know, other than that, I mean, you know, yeah. Your, nice, your situation yeah. was different though, because you only started in July, right? Uh, yeah, last year July. Yeah, yeah, but you graduated a year before. Yes. So tell us, how, how did that happen? Uh, so I mean, this was off the back of a graduate application I did so, at HMRC. At HMRC, yeah. yeah. So I made a graduate application for for HMRC. And that particular one is really, really competitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I remember they mentioned something about in my year, they had about 20,000 applicants and only 200 they were taken forward. Oh. So I got to the final stage, alhamdulillah, and then yeah. uh, I passed the assessment center, which was the final stage. And then after that, I got put on a waiting list because they had more than 200 people who passed the assessment center. So I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, and eventually got to a point where I just thought, okay, you know what, I'm not going to get it. And uh, I kind of forgot about it. And they turned around and said, okay, look, we can't offer you a place in the graduate uh, play uh, graduate scheme. So you, so, you, so you actually graduated with nothing set in stone, isn't it? Nah, man, I was yeah. on JSA for a bit. If that, <laughs> I don't know if you want me to admit that, but <laughs> no, 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 JSA is a madness, man. <laughs> it's good. It's good for personal development. Now. So let's let's say that. Isn't it? They got back to you. Mm-hmm. When when did they get back to you? They got back to me. Oh man, we're going back quite a bit now. Yeah. Um, maybe March, I think. So you're living the life on JSA, yeah. isn't it? No, no, no. At that time. So I was on JSA for not that long, to be honest, a couple of months. And then uh, I worked in a school for uh, about about a year. While I was working at that school, around about March time, that's when they emailed me. Or, or they had emailed me prior to that as well. I think mm-hmm. around Ramadan is when they uh, emailed me about the, this current position I'm doing. But they were quite long about it. Yeah. So the background checks and all that kind of stuff. By the time March kicked in, and that's, this is when they said, okay, can you start now? Yeah. Uh, and like I say, by that time, I was already working in the school had a contract so mm. I thought you know what look, it's, uh, yeah I was working primarily with the 11 so 
be a bit harsh to kind of duck just before the exams. Yeah, you got morals, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm delaying. You're a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I said, look, let me delay it. So I delayed it until July and that's kind of why I started in July. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've noticed, even with a lot of the grad schemes, man, everything mm. is so long-winded. You nah. know, you do one assessment centre mm. or like an, a psychometric test, mm. they get back to you oh, two, man. three, four months down the line. Yeah, man. yeah, and uh, while you apply, you know that too, uh, let's say. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's the truth you get to learn. It's, so, it's a proper yeah. waiting game. Man. Yeah, it is, it is. Yeah. And that's why you have to, I think that's one of the reasons why you have to have so many plates juggling. You have to be juggling definite, so many plates. Definite. Like, apply to this, apply to this. While you go, while this is going, do this, do this, do this. Yes, yes. And just yes. Have a, just keep the momentum going because while you're in uni, the motivation is there. Everyone's doing it. You can get the help from everyone you know public sector yeah. graduate schemes mm. and interviews they are the toughest I think because mm. I had one with NHS mm. I had one with civil service mm. so now like to this day I'll say they're the toughest ones yeah. that I've had what would you say is like your best advice for um, an interview or that whole application process generally it's a game man you've mm. got to learn the rules Yeah. if you know someone in civil service chat to them the advice that you get online will be brilliant or it's a brilliant starting point, but if you can get hold of someone who's actually in civil service, pick their brains for about half an hour, mm. that will, like, uh, you know, put you in such a good position. That yeah. comes back to what we were saying before about the network, can I? So your advice is, like, find someone else. But what, what, what's, <laughs> like, what's your, what worked for you? Uh, to be honest, man, it, again, it was network, man. I think that's what probably put me ahead. And what I mean by that is, if I go to 10 assessment centres, or if I, 10 is a big number, but <laughs> yeah, if I go to, if I go to two assessment centres or three assessment centres, I have that field of, or that pool of experience to d- draw from. That I went to this one, this one, and this one, this is what I learned from each one. Mm. But if I know five guys, and each one of them went to two assessments themselves, oh, okay. that's 10 assessment centres. Yeah. Who do you know that's been to 10 assessment centres? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And each one, even if you don't make it, you learn something from someone else. Like I remember speaking to one of my boys, and he was saying, one of the assessment centers, he crashed and burned. Crashed and burned. Yeah. But I was the best assessment center. I was, what do you mean? He goes, I saw another guy. He was on point. Everything he did from that day onwards, I was that guy. Yeah, I became yeah, yeah. that guy. It's true. It's true. And like, it's little tricks. It's not even big things. Like, you don't need to change everything. Mm. Let's go on to mm-hmm. your role at mm-hmm. HMRC, how it is working mm-hmm. for the government. Is it challenging? Is it hard? So generally, no, it's not too bad. It's quite nice, actually. Like, uh, what I do is... A company will come through, yeah. I'll book a visit with them, I'll go down to their premises, have a look at their VAT records, have an interview with them, see how they run their business, that kind of thing, man. Yeah, you get to go around, see different businesses. Yeah. Can you can you reveal like some of the companies you've worked nah, for? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> you, want me to, you want to get me fired, don't I? <laughs> off the pod, off the pod, don't worry, don't worry. Off the records, off the records, yeah. Nah, uh, nah that, but that's actually a thing, what's it, quite interesting, they're very... Uh, particular about you know client sensitivities okay, and all yeah, that kind yeah, of stuff yeah, it cool. is a very serious thing they take yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, you switched it on me i'm like sorry that, man. <laughs> okay so we've kind of know what you do um how's the actual environment in the workplace environment's nice man um like i'm in the like you said i'm in the croydon office yeah. croydon office um is there's like quite a big fairly big um like muslim community there. yeah see um, i find that so yeah. surprising because yeah? There was a recent Guardian article that said, obviously, I don't know if civil service and HMRC, they're related, but civil service has one of the lowest um, ethnic intake. Yeah, is it? But you just... I mean, I, I don't see it, man. Yeah. I genuinely do not see it. Like, I mean, the only comparison I can make is that of 
HMRC mm-hmm. and of Deloitte because yeah. those are kind of like the main corporate uh, environments I've been in. I remember in Deloitte, I remember thinking to myself that I can count the ethnic minorities on one hand. Yeah. Like the number of ethnic on my floor and whatnot. I mean, not to say there's not, uh, you know, a fair, good Muslim community, but mm-hmm. as in, in comparison to everyone else, it's, for me, it felt like it was quite small. But here, in Croydon, in HMRC, it genuinely feels like every third person is an ethnic minority. Yeah. And like, I genuinely do not see it. Yeah. Like, I remember I was saying to you, even I had to go to Manchester for some training. Yeah, you were saying, yeah. It, brothers coming in on Fridays and Phobes, man. I was like, whoa, I'm back in uni, what's going on? See, I don't know why I find that so shocking, because, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm because of what I've read what online. Yeah, yeah, I'm surprised you... They, I mean, you know, that is the graduate uh, uh, thing, uh, graduate application process. So mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe the graduate application process and the actual yeah. working there yeah. is different. But I mean, I'm surprised to hear that, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you would say there's no problems with identifying as a Muslim? So nah, none whatsoever, man. Can... My manager, well, genuinely, she's amazing with this kind of stuff, man. Like uh, I remember even just today, uh, we had a meeting. She booked it at two o'clock. And she turns around. She turns around as I was coming in. She goes, "Oh, by the way, do you want me to change the meeting from two to two fifteen? Because I know you go for a prayer around that yeah, time, yeah, right?" Yeah. I didn't ask her to do that. I was gonna pray a little bit earlier so I can make the meeting. She jumped in and she goes, "Look, no, no worries. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll delay it by fifteen minutes. Yeah. Go, go pray I, and let I, me know when you're back." I feel like that's just the pattern that we've heard throughout mm-hmm. this podcast. Is if you make it clear 100%. that you do this, hundred percent, everyone will accommodate to you. Hundred percent, because they. Yeah. It's, it's a matter of respect at the end of the day. Yeah, no, definitely. If I you mean, value yourself, respect mm-hmm. yourself, yeah. and this is part of your identity, inshallah, people 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 Yeah, people respect that, man. Yeah. And uh, I think that's one thing that's really important that we need to be up, up front about it. Just say that, look, this is, these are my requirements. Mm, yeah. or this is what, this is the way it is. How flexible are the hours? Um, so it depends on your contract. So mm. I'm on something called flexi time. So essentially what that means is as long as over the course of a month you're making you're doing the hours that you're meant to do, so my contract is thirty seven hours uh, mm-hmm. a month. Yeah. Uh, sorry, thirty seven hours a week. Um, as long as I make those, hours that, that would be sweet, man. Um, <laughs> I, so as long as I'm making up those hours, then everything's kushti. So for example, if one day I decided to leave a little bit early and then just make it up in the next few weeks, in the next couple of couple of days. Yeah. But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean it's flexible, very flexible. Yeah. I think this is something that I can only ask to you is. What's the difference between professional services, mm. a company like Deloitte, Mm-mm. and public service, something like HMRC? I think from what I could see, because I mean, I was an intern, so I wouldn't feel the full brunt of it. Of course, yeah. Um, so what I tried to do is kind of look at the associates and kind of see what's their life like. And this is one of the reasons why I did, kind of felt like I was put off uh, professional service, kind of like the Deloitte's and the EYs and this kind of thing, is because it's very full on. Yeah. And like, I personally didn't really want that. Okay. You know, um, I thought to myself, and I, I mentioned it in the beginning that one of the reasons why I was kind of drawn towards professional services, the big four, you know, these kind of jo- these kind of uh, jobs was the money. But I mean, if you can work hard enough, I mean, you can make the money wherever man. Yeah, money will yeah. come. But that's one of the reasons that well, that's one of the biggest difference. Kind mm-hmm. of the culture is very different. Like it, that one yeah. is very intense. Here is a bit bit more easy going. I just want to end like this section mm. just by clearly saying what you do and, and how, how it is so obviously you've said that the environment is banging and nice, yeah, it's nice it's, it's comfy as a muslim mm. it's like mobile so you're going to loads of different places around <coughs> london loads of different clients and yeah you've explained what the actual work is so yeah um i think you've done a good job of 
explain well, what you. this is. Thank yeah. You. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's get on to um, some questions okay. from listeners. Okay. So first question. So it says HMRC is a big place. Mm. Is it possible to move around if you don't enjoy where you are? Generally, yes. But I don't enjoy it. Isn't gonna be isn't a isn't a reason that's gonna hold up too well with your manager. Okay. Um, there is a lot of kind of uh, what do they call it horizontal movement where kind of you move from this department to this department and depending on where the need is maybe you might move over and whatnot. Mm-hmm. In uh, general, in civil service people are always moving around from department to department. So that means like in and out of HMRC maybe to another department. Mm-hmm up and down if they want to kind of stay level they can stay level it's open like that it's just you go through the application process mm-hmm. again if it comes through it comes through so you can actually move from HMRC to the civil service right? yeah, uh, to, yeah I mean uh, a friend of mine he's got a he, he got a new uh, position in the cabinet office uh, just a couple of days ago so he's okay. going to be uh, moving to on in the next couple of months yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so. so next question mm-hmm. um, I would like to apply for the civil service grad scheme next year but when I applied for the internship scheme this year I couldn't get past the online tests mm-hmm. any advice or tips regarding the online tests yeah so there's, another, mean, there's another question as well that like has to get better at them yeah. yeah I mean generally from what I've seen the most common tests are you've got your numerical reasoning test you've got your verbal reasoning test and you've got judgment. your situational judgment yeah. test I, I think with um, numerical and verbal yeah practice man 100%, practice 100%, practice 100%. practice there's so many sites online mm. you just should be able yeah, to yeah, yeah. if you're serious about getting a grad school, <coughs> you're, you're serious mm. you should be like practicing yeah, enough to, practice, to get mean, the, to get good at those no one's no one's good at anything mm. the first time yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, come on man i felt so many yeah because verbal i was terrible yeah, and yeah. uh a tip for situational judgment because mm. i was flopping those as well mm. um is actually look at the values of the firm that you're applying to. Mm-hmm. And then when you see the situation that they give you, look at the values and think, okay. How do they want me to Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. oh, they want uh, teamwork. So mm-hmm. I need to pick the one that makes it look like I care yeah, about the team. Yeah, yeah. One thing I always say, verbal reasoning generally, it's always that you've got that long paragraph, you've got that second sentence that says, is this and this yeah. true, false, or cannot say. Mm. Generally, one of the ways I uh, explain it is, Think of it as like um, fiqh, okay. i.e. for me to be able to say something is halal, yeah. I need some solid proof. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For me to say something is completely haram, I need some solid proof. And I remember one of the teachers, he said, look at what you're saying. If you say something is halal, or if you say something is haram, you're saying that Allah intends for that action to be haram. Mm-hmm. You're speaking on behalf of Allah. Now. Yeah. So when you want to say in a situation, in a, numer- in a verbal reasoning test that something is true, you need to have some damn good evidence. to Solid evidence. Exactly. The word for word, is it in there? If it's not, then you're, you're imagining things. Mm. That's like, I've never heard that, yeah. that kind of mindset <laughs> before, you know, that's good. Next question. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in becoming a tax advisor, but I only read about it recently and I've started my degree in biosciences. Could I realistically go for a career in tax with a science degree? Bro, I've got an engineering degree. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> it really doesn't matter. Like, um, none of that is coming up in HMRC. None of that is coming up in my VAT uh, work. But as in they saw my degree and they thought, okay, this guy's someone who's competent. Yeah. He can learn something. Mm. So, I mean, you're not putting yourself in a mm. bad position by having a science degree. Not Definitely not. not. I, I feel like this needs re-emphasizing, mm. yeah. Any degree you do, if it's... Of course, medicine is specific to something. Yeah, yeah. These financial services roles, roles in HMRC, mm. government roles, you don't need a specific degree, man. Job application will tell you. if Do you need a specific degree? Yeah, though? yeah. Like, actually, a lot look of times, it. A lot of times, no, you don't, man. As Straight. long as you've got a 2-1, yeah. you're, you're laughing, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is actually the next question, you know. Do 
grades matter uh, if I get a 2-1 or a first for civil service? Actually, talk, talk about 2-2 two, two as well, man. I get it. I mean, it depends on the uh, job that you're applying for. Generally speaking, from my experience, a 2-1, if you've got a 2-1, you can apply to pretty much anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're first, you can apply to pretty much anything and you look a little bit better. With a 2-2, two, two, you are cut out from some things, but there are, st- there are still loads of things that you can still apply for. So get the best grade because you don't want to put an obstacle in your way that yeah. doesn't Especially need to be there. It's exam season. Exactly, now, so. it doesn't need if that obstacle doesn't need to be there. You don't need that two two to hang over you. If you can get a two one, get a two one. If mm. you can get a first, get a first. Yeah, yeah. You're not gonna be worse off by getting a first. Yeah, yeah that's definitely, definitely not, not the case. Yeah. Um, I'm looking into applying through the civil service fast stream, and as a Muslim girl, I feel like I'm at a bit of a disadvantage. You see this. Yeah. Is there anything to keep in mind or any tips in order to make my application successful? Jazakallah khair in advance. Um, See what I'm telling you? You know civil service, they've yeah. got a proper reputation. I, it still feels so weird to me to hear that, man. Like, I, I mean, my experience has not been that at all. So what is your advice to someone that's obviously visibly Muslim yeah. during this application process? What, what, what can they do to, first of all, feel comfortable in yeah. themselves in this environment? Because I'm not going to lie, the first time I went to an interview yeah. and... It was actually at civil service, man. Yeah. I felt out of place in yeah. myself and I started to question myself whether I should mm-hmm. be there or not. So what, what advice would you give to someone like that? I mean, the sister said, uh, what, would you, what advice would you give a Muslim girl? Something along yeah, those lines. Yeah, in, in the application uh, process. I mean, what's wrong with you? What, what do you mean? Like, why do you need to treat any different? Why should you be worried about anything? Like, you, there's nothing wrong with you just by being a Muslim girl. You're there at that application process because they saw you fit to be at that application process. You shouldn't feel like, oh, I'm out of place or, you know, maybe I shouldn't be here. No, who told you that? Mm. Not at all. If we start letting ourselves feel defeated and if we start deciding to ourselves, you know what, maybe I shouldn't be there, then what happens for our kids and their kids? When you get to the interview stage, <coughs> you know, yeah. the final assessment center or that final interview, Mm-mm. You've got there because they believe in you. So mm. don't forget all of the disadvantage, everything like that. Just yeah. let it go, let it go. For that one hour, two hour, just be at your best. You're a hero, man. Yeah. You're a hero of your story. Be like, you're at there. your best for those do two hours. You, because do what you, you can. Do your best. Yeah. There's no reason why you shouldn't be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm not saying that racism doesn't exist and whatnot. Like, of course not. I mean, you know. But don't let that creep into your mind and mm. let that settle in your heart. That, yeah. oh, no, you know what, I'm... I'm less deserving of being in that position because you're not. You're not. Okay, so last question. Mm-hmm. So during any of your interviews, mm. did you mention being heavily involved in ISOC? Yeah, yeah. I, I did. Because through that, I learned a lot about both myself and I learned a lot about how I work. Mm. I learned a lot about project managing. I learned a lot about working as a team. Yeah. I learned about, you know, um, seeing, seeing the bigger picture. Yeah. yeah, transferable skills. This was one of the ways where I developed myself. I became a better human being, a better Muslim, a better employee as a result of the kind of things I got involved in mm. with the ISOC. But the only thing, like kind of warning I'd say is uh, don't go into like ISOC and, you know, working for these kind of things with the intention that are uh, this will look good on your CV because that's just cheapening it, man. At the end of the day, the work is for Allah, isn't it? Mm. I'm not asking the guy on the opposite end of the table to reward me for it. I know that's, inshallah, if I was sincere, mm. and inshallah, if you know, it was, uh, Allah was pleased with it, then he will reward me in full on, on the day of judgment. Mm. I don't need to worry about it. Because your two options are here too, right? So we're saying, am I getting involved? Either 
for the sake of Allah or for the sake of looking good on my CV. If I do it for the sake of Allah, what is Allah promising me? He's promising me Jannah. He's promising me that if I work for his cause and I'm sincere, I'll get to see his face. He's saying I can be in the company of his prophet mm. and his companions. Or what's, what's this guy offering you? Yeah. He's offering you maybe a 30k salary, mm. which eventually you're going to die. You're going to have to leave that behind anyway. So if you're going to get involved, get involved. And this is something for everyone. Always check your intentions. Always check how sincere am I and work on it. And I remember one of the guys, I remember him mentioning uh, they had a two-day uh, CPD event, Continuous program, Professional Development event, uh, event, two days, where he talks about how to be a good team and how to kind of work together nicely. Yeah. <laughs> and he goes that pretty much every one of the advices that they gave were things that the Prophet was doing 1,400 years ago. Smile at people. Yeah. Turn to someone when you're speaking to them. Give them your full attention. You know, if if uh, if there's three people in a, in a conversation, don't just speak to one person and ignore the other person. These are all prophetic characteristics. Yeah. Prophets taught us how to be not only the best Muslim. He taught us about how to be the best human being, and being being the best human being will make you the best employee, employee yeah. and these kind of things. Obviously, that was the last question, but mm. I normally end on the guest giving some parting advice. Mm. I feel like you've done it already, but do you have anything else, you know, as like a last message? Don't ever let yourself to make this little bit, because it's a drop in the ocean compared to eternity. Mm. This life is a drop in the ocean. Don't let this drop poison the rest of the uh, thing. And realize that however good you can make this drop, everything else is going to be get better. Like I remember um, one of the uh, things they used to say about Uthman, that they used to see him crying profusely, like fully bawling his eyes out, standing at the graves. So graves of people who have passed, and he's completely crying. And he used to have a large beard, his beard was swamped, and even the ground beneath him was starting to uh, become damp with the, the amount of tears. And they used to say to him, Uthman, we see you with the Prophet, and the Prophet tells, talks to you about Jannah. He talks to you about paradise. He talks to you about hell. We don't see you have this reaction. But when you come to the grave, you have this kind of reaction, this powerful reaction. What's going on? Yeah. And he says that this is the beginning or this is the entrance into the Akhirah. That if this is good, I know everything else that comes after it is only going to get dark. Mm -hmm. But if this is bad, then everything that comes after it is only going to get worse. And that is like, like he says, that's the beginning of the real journey. Yeah. Do this. Do what you can. You know, get the best jobs. We, we want you to get the best jobs. But, but don't, don't let it come at a cost. Yeah. And don't let that be a cost that you shouldn't be willing to pay. So that's the end of episode nine. Thank you so much, Ahmed, for coming onto the show, no, sharing your no, wisdom. No, no, Peace. <laughs> How I always end it, make sure you follow on SoundCloud, make sure you subscribe to the iTunes, make sure you follow the Twitter, it's at WeRGCPodcast, and yeah, make sure you just share as much as you can. Uh, that's the end of episode nine. Thank you for listening.